St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, starting to read from verse 38. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on the mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor. Talking with Jesus, they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud, saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Well, uh, good morning, and uh, if we've not met, um, um, my name is Andrew. Uh, I'm the curate here at the church, so essentially a, a trainee vicar. Um, and we're looking at this wonderful passage in Luke together, following on from last week. So let's uh, pray quickly, and then we'll take a look at this incredible, these incredible words. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you that you give us everything we need. You give us, in your word, our daily bread, your words to preserve us in this life of faith, to keep us going until the end. And so we pray, Father, that you would feed each of us this morning. As you speak, would we listen and would we hear? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the Australian bishop, Al Stewart, tells a story about a friend of his who had a farm in New South Wales. And being Australia, this was no uh, English country smallholding. It was 30,000 acres. It was about eight miles from the coast, so it was very dry where his farm was. And sometimes there wouldn't be enough you know, food for the animals, so he grew a, a wheat paddy, just a little wheat paddy of 250 acres, and, you know, which he kind of kept irrigated and that sort of thing. But the problem was, kangaroos and wild pigs would come and get into the wheat paddy at night and eat up his valuable crop. So he thought, what shall I do? Uh, and he built a big, tall electric fence. Now, that was enough to keep out the kangaroos. Turns out they're pretty soft. One's out, they're out of there. But it wasn't enough for the pigs. Somehow the pigs were still getting in. And so this guy went out one night and he watched, and he saw that the pigs would come, and they would back themselves up about 20 or 30 meters away from the fence, 
and then they would run full tilt at the fence. Zap, 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 zap. And then they were through. Now, pigs feel pain, same as kangaroos. And pigs aren't stupid. They're very intelligent animals. Uh, if you saw that documentary film a few years ago, Babe, um, you'll know that pigs can be well-trained. Okay, that was a children's film, but they can be trained. They are intelligent. Why? They knew that it was worth it to go through the pain because on the other side of the suffering, heaven, piggy heaven in the field with all that food. A few moments of suffering and then they were in. They were prepared to go through that suffering because they knew what was on the other side. If they got through, then their suffering will all have been worthwhile. Now those who were here last week, you may remember um, that the call to be a disciple of Jesus, he tells us, is not an easy call. It is a difficult call. Look with me again at chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Then Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Well, none of us wants that in this life, do we? None of us wants to lose our life. All of us would prefer, if possible, to save our life here, to have the life that we want here, to have the good life now, do what we want, when we want, with whom we want, to have people like us, approve us, speak well of us, and then have the even better life in eternity as well. The good life now and the even better life in eternity. But that is not the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ, he tells us. Because, and that's not the life of the disciple, because it wasn't the life of the master. So this is Jesus' description of his own path again, verse 22. Jesus said, The Son of Man, that's his term for himself, must suffer, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed. We follow a crucified Messiah, and he calls us to follow the same path that he walked. Suffering now, and glory, but glory later. Because those who listen to Jesus will share his glory. Those who listen to Jesus will share his glory. And it was that glory for Jesus, of which we now get a glimpse in our passage, that's what the transfiguration is, that kept Jesus going to the cross, that kept his first disciples faithful to the end, and that will keep us faithful to the end as well, if we see that glory. And I said last week that I'd mentioned verse 27 this week. There was this strange statement Jesus made. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And that is most likely referring to this, to the transfiguration. Because Peter, James, and John were with him when Jesus said those words. And then they go up with him to the mountain and they see a hint of the kingdom of heaven. 
might also look forward to Jesus' death and resurrection. But in this vision of glory that we see on the mountain, that is a hint of Jesus' coming glory. So read with me again. Verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, James and John with him and went up on the mountain, onto a mountain, to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. Now, Peter has just confessed Jesus to be the Messiah. And that is quite a statement of faith, because they walk with Jesus. They talk with Jesus. Jesus, to their human eyes, is just a man like themselves, because Jesus was fully human. But Jesus was also fully God. And in this moment on the mountain, it is as if the curtain is pulled back on Jesus' godness, on his glory. And Peter, James and John get to see Jesus' glory. To see something of what Jesus might look like in glory right now in heaven. What he'd look like possibly, something, a glimpse of his glory before he came to earth and the glory that he would return to after his death and resurrection. They see his glory, a hint of who he really was. And in that, almost a confirmation. Peter, you're right. Jesus is the Messiah. He's not just a man. He's not Elijah. He's not one of the other prophets come back to life. He is God in human form come to earth. And then we get these two guys, Moses and Elijah, verse 30. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared also in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Well, why Moses and Elijah? Why not Abraham? Why not King David? Why not Joshua? There's a whole, you know, branch of branch of of Old Testament heroes that could have been pulled out for this. Well, probably something to do with Moses and Elijah at the simplest level were two guys who had met with God on mountains. Moses went up the Mount of Sinai to receive the law from God. Elijah met God at the top of a mountain. Moses received the law, and that was the time when the nation of Israel was formed by the law at Mount Sinai. They'd come out of Egypt and they gathered at Mount Sinai and they received the law. And Elijah, at a point when it seemed that the nation had rejected God, but God had preserved a faithful remnant like Elijah. So most people had gone away from God, but Elijah and a small remnant were faithful, just as it would become in Jesus' day, just as it is in our day. Most people not living for God. Most people not confessing the Lord Jesus. So Moses and Elijah on this mountain with Jesus. But also, Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets. And that was very significant. So the law was the establishing of the nation and the prophets were the words from God. And these two guys, remember in verse 22 that we read just now, Jesus says he must be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. So you've got these guys, elders, chief priests, teachers of the law, who claim to be the authoritative voice of God. 
they claim to be the ones who can rightly interpret the scriptures, who can rightly interpret the law and the prophets. And they would be saying, ignore this Jesus, reject this Jesus, and ultimately they would kill Jesus. But the very guys who wrote the law and the prophets, Moses and Elijah, they turn up on the mountain with Jesus as if to say, guys, you're on the right team. This is our guy. We are with him. And in fact, you know, we are what we, he is, he is what we were pointing to. We were there, you know, what they wrote was true, but it was always pointing to Jesus. It was always about him. Because it will be hard for the disciples. They've grown up in the Jewish faith. It would be hard for them to reject the teaching of the chief priests, elders, teachers of the law, and go with Jesus. And so we then get this confirmatory voice. We get this confirmation from God. So flick forward to verse 34. While Peter was still speaking, a cloud appeared and covered Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And a voice came from the cloud to the disciples, saying, This is my Son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. As I say, it would be hard for the disciples to walk faithfully. It would be hard for them to listen to Jesus. Peter showed that when he denied Jesus three times on the night of Jesus' trial. Peter was, in that moment, ashamed of Jesus and ashamed of Jesus' words. And it will be hard for us to live the Christian life in this world. It is hard to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow. It's hard to say no to temptation. It's hard to say yes to serving others when we'd rather serve ourselves. It's hard to profess the name of Jesus, to live for him, to speak for him when it means that others will mock us, make fun of us, speak against us. We might lose friends over it being faithful to Jesus. We might lose out on a promotion at work. We might lose our job altogether. We might even be called to die for our faith. As we said last week, in our nation that is unusual, but for brothers and sisters around the world, that is normal. What is it that will keep us obedient to Jesus' call when it is hard? It is listening to Jesus. God spoke from heaven to the disciples, this is my son, listen to him. Listening to his voice, above all the other many voices around us that point a different way. Listening to his voice, above the voices inside us that seek to go our way and not God's way. And listening to Jesus' voice in the Bible, even when some within the church who, like the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, profess to speak for God, but actually deny God's word in the Bible, to listen to Jesus even above them. But there's also an interesting little feature where we are told what Moses and Elijah are speaking about. It says, Luke is slightly obscured in our English, says they spoke of his departure 
which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Now the translators have helped us here. If you look down to the footnote at the bottom of the page, it says Greek, Exodus. The literal word there, and it's, there, were, there were other words for departure that Luke could have used, but Luke deliberately chose to word that, use the word Exodus, which is the word that the Greek translation of the Old Testament that they had, that Luke would have read, he was a Greek speaker and writer, was used here, always of the Exodus in the Old Testament, and is now used of Jesus' death. So along with Moses being there in the first place, making us think about the Exodus, Luke wants to be really sure. Well, why? What was the Exodus? Well, the Exodus, of course, was the rescue of the nation of Israel out of bondage to a foreign ruler, Pharaoh, out of slavery, through danger, through death, through the Red Sea, into the wilderness. And it was God safely leading and preserving his people through the wilderness into the promised land. It was the formation of a new nation through a rescue. And they speak of Jesus' exodus, which is about to happen at Jerusalem. So what would happen at Jerusalem? Well, Jesus would suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he would be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. And Luke wants to say, that is Jesus forming his new nation. The church is Jesus' new nation, rescued not from slavery to Pharaoh, but slavery to Satan, slavery to sin, rescued from a condemnation of death through the wilderness wandering of this life. And God will bring us safely through this life and take us to glory. And how will we get there? How can anyone, it's not an exclusive thing, being in God's people. How can anyone be included in that nation and brought to the new creation, to heaven? Those who listen to Jesus. Those who will deny themselves, take up their cross and follow. Those who listen to Jesus will share his glory. What will then keep us obedient to Christ's call when it's difficult? It is the same thing that kept Jesus going on the path to the cross. The same thing that kept Peter faithful to the end. He denied Jesus, but he then came back and remained faithful until he himself was crucified. Upside down, because he thought himself unworthy to be crucified in the same manner as his master, professing Jesus to the end. What will keep us going is knowing what is on the other side. And we know that's what kept Jesus going. This is Hebrews 12. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer who went before us and perfecter of faith. For the joy, the glory that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was what was ahead that kept Jesus going through the suffering, through the struggle. And it was a message they needed to hear. We get this funny bit from Peter, um, verse 33. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. It's classic Peter, isn't it? Always kind of speaking before he thinks. But it's as if Peter was trying to hold on. He was like, as the men were leaving, he's like, no, 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 let's hold on to this wonderful moment. 
and then this voice from heaven comes and says, no, you need to listen to Jesus. This is not the time to hold on to glory. That time will come. Now is the time, Peter, to go back down the mountain. Now is the time to continue with the mission. Now is the time to lose life, take up your cross, deny and follow. The glory is coming later. The explorer and missionary David Livingstone was once asked how he had persevered through all the many sacrifices that he'd made in his life. And he said this, For my own part, I have never ceased to rejoice that God has appointed me to such an office. People talk of the sacrifice I've made in spending so much of my life in danger. And if you've read anything of Livingstone's life, whatever you think of his principles, you can't deny his perseverance, the sufferings, the trials that he faced, illness, difficulty, danger, and the death of many of his friends and companions. And he said this, is it a sacrifice that brings its own blessed reward in the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? I say it is no sacrifice, rather it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger, now and then, may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to think, but let this be only for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us I never made a sacrifice. And he was able to say that I never made a sacrifice because he knew that compared to the glory that was coming, then the suffering of this life, however long, however deep, however difficult, again, Paul describes as a slight momentary affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory that is coming. Remember those pigs squealing their way through the electric fence to get to piggy heaven because they knew what was on the other side. Jesus tells us that following him will not be easy. If we listen to him, if we obey him as Lord, it will be a call to deny ourselves. It will be a call to take up our cross, a call to lose our lives. But it is worth it because we know what is on the other side. And there is no doubt no doubt that any suffering that we are called to undertake will be worthwhile. We know that because Jesus has already gone through. He has already walked the path that he calls us to walk. He has already gone along the Calvary road of suffering. And then he was raised to glory. And he promises to the same to us. Those who listen to Jesus will share his glory. Let's pray that we would be those who will listen. Father, you know our hearts, you know our lives. You know in this moment whether we're feeling encouraged by the glory or discouraged by the call to deny ourselves, take up our crosses and follow. You know the ways in which each one of us will need to do that, the struggle, the difficulties. Thank you, Father, that you are with us. And please would you help us to listen to you. Give us eyes to see the glory that is ahead. 
and help us to listen to Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen.